In a moment or two, Steve's going to come and preach uh, to us, which uh, will be great. Uh, at the end of Steve's preach, I'm going to be asking the question, what do you think God's saying to you through it? Uh, so it's kind of like a heads up. This is the sermon per month you've got to listen to. Um, the, I'm going to be coming and saying, okay, so in light of what Steve has said, what, what seems important? seems to be underlined what do you think God's particularly saying so I'll come and do that in a moment after he's preached but before that I'm going to ask uh, Pat and Alan to come and read the scripture for us I'm reading from Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 6 after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod my guy from the east came to Jerusalem and asked where is the one who has been born king of the Jews we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is a reading from Matthew, chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favour of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Thank you. Thank you for the two of you for reading that. It's a privilege to be here talking to you. This morning, not least because by preaching means I can stand up and keep moving and not have to sit still. 
this this week we were I was um, myself and my brother were well were laughing because we work with churches doing their sound systems and videos and streaming, which is part of the thing now. And uh, we were dealing with two particular churches that got issues, which meant we had to watch their church streaming for the last two or three weeks. And um, I was watching it, and my brother said, it's quite funny, do you see that the first church, everybody who stands up and preaches or does anything at the front is wearing a check shirt. They're definitely a check shirt kind of church. And then another video we watched from a church outside, everyone in the band, all the men had like designer beards, and they're like a beard church. I think we're going to be a, knit, a knit, knitwear sort of church, is I think what we're... <laughs> can describe ourselves as. So if you've been with us last few weeks, you know we're working through a series on the titles of Jesus or the names of Jesus that Matthew gives us uh, throughout his first few chapters of his book. Titles of Jesus like Messiah, Emmanuel, and this morning we're looking that this is Jesus, the Shepherd King. Now we've already said in this series, titles are, are important or names are important and helpful because it helps us understand the person that we're talking about. And obviously we want to understand and learn more about Jesus. But sometimes titles can cause problems. They can cause us to make assumptions and even the wrong assumptions sometimes. I'll give you an example. Again, in, in my work, a, a couple of years ago, I was going to, a, it was a massive church in, um, up near Hull in Beverly. And I was going to meet, it was the final meeting to meet with a group of about seven or eight of their people to discuss the final uh, sort of ideas of the sound system that they were going to have. And I'd do that sort of thing all the time. So it was just a normal day. It was no big deal. I was quite happy doing it. And I was walking around the church with the vicar and these and the sort of the parish council. And about halfway through the meeting, another lady joined the party. And the vicar said, oh, I want to introduce you to Susan. Susan is a PhD in acoustics. And she teaches at all the local um, universities on acoustic design and sound system design. And all of a sudden, I didn't quite feel as comfortable in my role and my job. And I started making assumptions that this lady was here to cause trouble, to criticize my design, and I was going to have all sorts of issues. I started stuttering and stammering, got quite hot and sweaty under the collar. But actually, Susan was lovely, and I found out afterwards that she was very happy with what we're doing, and the vicar had brought her in to help me to convince everybody that this is the way they should go. I made an assumption. What happened was really, I've drawn a, a graph for you so you can see what happened there. The point of what Susan had come to do was there, but I made an assumption and I headed off in completely the wrong direction. I heard her title and her qualifications and names and I panicked and had made an assumption and headed off in completely the wrong direction. And the stories that the guys have just read for us really is kind of an example of people doing just that with Jesus. They made assumptions about him which affected the way they behaved, affected the way that they saw Jesus, and they kind of headed off in the wrong direction. The first story we looked at was a story of, about Herod, King Herod. Now, it's coming up to the time of year when we talk about King Herod, isn't it? And if we're not careful, he sort of becomes the pantomime villain of the nativity play, doesn't he? You go to any school, the lights go a bit dark and green and blue as Herod comes onto the stage. And if we're not careful, he just gets assigned as a, a pantomime villain. But if we understand a bit more about Herod, we can see some of the assumptions or the wrong assumptions he makes. Herod had the title of the King of the Jews. A title that we normally hear associated to Jesus. But that title was actually given to him by the Romans, by the Roman Senate. Herod was the king of the Jews. But to be honest with you, he did that because he, was the, he had his position because the Romans allowed him to. 
And he was very happy to appease the Romans and do whatever the Romans wanted in order to gain more profit, position, and power. He was also kind of quite a paranoid leader, it seemed. He was quite worried about being overthrown, and he was desperate to hold on to his power and his position. So much so that people were often tried and then executed because he thought that they were going to overthrow him. And that included his own children. Such was his paranoia. So can you imagine this guy who had the title of the king of the Jews, was very keen to hold on to his power and position, when the Magi turned up and said, we've come to find the one who was born the king of the Jews. Not the one that was given a title, that's what Herod would hear, but the one that was born the king of the Jews. It played to all his fears and all all his concerns. And he knew what it was to be king. He knew it was about power and position and profit. And his idea of what a king should be, he then placed that assumption on Jesus and assumed that that was what Jesus was coming for, to take his power, to take his position, to try and profit from the situation. He allowed the world's view of a king to influence how he viewed Jesus. He made that assumption and completely missed the point of what Jesus was coming for completely missed the point of what Jesus was all about. He wasn't the only one. There were plenty of people at that time who did a very similar thing. And in the second story, well, it's about James, John, and their mom. And if you read the story, at first when you read the story, I had a picture of James and John with a head in their hand saying, what's she doing? Pushy mom, oh, how embarrassing. But if we read the account, and if we read the account in Mark as well, we see that James and John were fully on board with this plot to gain position in the kingdom. And they go to Jesus and say, can you make sure that one of us sits on the left and one of us sits on the right? The kind of background to this is in chapter 19. Jesus has said that there are thrones that they're going to sit on and they are going to rule and judge the nations. But they're thinking, well, there's 12 thrones and we want to make sure that we get the nearest to Jesus. Again, they'd seen the leadership role and they'd made an assumption of profit, position and power. And what's even crazier is they assumed that Jesus would be on board with this, that they could get Jesus into this plot and into this plan with them. And it doesn't really get any better when you look at the rest of the other 10 disciples because they weren't upset with James and John thinking, what a stupid thing to have asked for. What they're thinking is... They might actually get those places and somehow usurp us and, and, and get one up on us. They made it about position and power and profit. And they thought that that's what Jesus would understand and that Jesus would help them with that. And you hear almost a frustration in Jesus' voice when he gathers his disciples around and says, Guys, this isn't what it's all about. This isn't what I'm about They knew that he was a leader. They knew that he was the coming king or the Messiah. But they'd misunderstood Jesus' role as a leader. And Jesus says to them, you're behaving like the world behaves. That their leaders hold the power over the people. That their leaders are about position and power and profit. He was telling them, you're allowing the world to influence your view of me. What Jesus wanted to do was change their view of the world. And he goes on, Jesus goes on to explain in his kingdom, leading people is about service and sacrifice in order to bring about salvation. The difference between the world's view and Jesus' view. Problems happen when we allow the world to dictate our view of Jesus rather than Jesus influencing the way that we view the world. 
And when we see these two stories, story one and story two, it's really easy, isn't it, to see the assumptions and the mistakes that they made. You, you knew that before I told you. And it's really easy to think, how did these guys, particularly James and John, who traveled with Jesus, how did they overlook what Jesus was all about? But they see Jesus as a leader, but they assume the wrong thing and they miss the point and their behavior and what they say and what they do is affected by that. They go off at completely the wrong angle. But when we say that, we have to remind ourselves that these stories that we've read this morning, it was real people living their normal everyday lives. And what's being written is what was happening in their lives and their interaction with Jesus and how they responded. And it's really easy to criticize and say how ridiculous, how stupid for them to miss the point. And then I think, well, thank God the Bible isn't being written today and someone's decided to catalogue the way I've behaved this week and the things that I've said this week and the way that I've reacted to Jesus. If there was a third story today and it was about me, would it be a story of inspiration of someone who got what Jesus was about and went for it? Or would it also be a cautionary tale of someone who sometimes, because they're so ingrained in what's going on in their life that they miss the point and so what I thought I'd do is I'd write a third story about me what if the bible was written about me and it went something like this in the 69th year of the reign of queen elizabeth ii from the fellowship of believers in the city of salford was a man named steve who was greatly troubled For he labored daily in an office in order to provide for his family, but encountered great difficulty with those who labored with him. For his employer was a harsh man with little understanding or compassion for others, unwilling to hear or take advice from those he employed, which brought great difficulty upon that place. He worked daily alongside Jean, daughter of, insert a name you don't know how to pronounce, who was a woman of little joy and who could find a dark cloud to go around any silver lining. His dismay was increased by the foolish boy who undertook the task of office junior and daily irritated and upset the people. Steve would often cry out to God asking, why have you brought me to a place such as this? For I long to serve my God, but I'm instead surrounded by those who seek to drag me away from you. God deliver me from this place and these people. If I was to describe my life in maybe, not King James, maybe NIV language, it might sound a bit like that because I used to work in an office just like that, with people like that. I had to go to work every day to pay the bills. That was a fact of my life. And I was dealing every day with a difficult boss in daily contact, conflict with him because we disagreed on what should be done and he wasn't prepared to listen to anybody else. That was a fact of my life. And Jean really was, God bless her, a very miserable, grumpy lady who complained and moaned about everything that we asked her to do. And there was a lad, he wasn't the office junior, he worked packing parcels and he drove me insane because he was just daft and would do the most stupid things that would just wind us up and irritate us. And I want to serve God and I want to be a good witness, but I'm having to deal with these people every day of my life. And I would often pray, God, what am I doing here? God, get me out of this place. And if I look back now, I can see that when my prayers were like that, I was allowing the world to impact my view of Jesus rather than Jesus seeing, changing the way I saw the world around me. And when that happens, at best, 
Jesus becomes a fire escape that we pray to to say, God, get me out of here. And at worst, we start to believe that Jesus is unable to help us because as much as we pray, we still find ourselves in the same situation. That was the everyday life that I lived in, in the office, similar to many people. I was there because I had to earn a living. I was there to profit from the situation. I wanted my boss to listen to me, to understand the input that I had. I wanted to secure my position that he'd know that I had a, a, a plan and a purpose. And I wanted Jean and the lad downstairs, just please just do what I've asked you to do. In a way, my life was still about profit and position and power. I had to have a job and I had to earn money. I wanted to ensure that people understood what I had to say. And I wanted those that worked for me, please just do what you're told to do. It was frustration and it was hassle of the busyness of my everyday life. But I wonder if that was written as a third story and there was a preacher preaching that in a few years' time, would he stand and say, how did he miss the point? How did he miss the point of what God wanted him to do in that place? Because if I allow Jesus to impact the way that I view the world, I see that these people didn't crash into my life to cause problems, but that I had been placed in theirs to impact them. And I see that although I want to serve, serve God and, and, and I want to do those things, but I see that actually God had already planted me in a mission field he wanted me to work in, and he'd arranged that that mission field would even meet my needs and pay my bills. Maybe if I could see things as Jesus wanted me to see them. I see that my boss, while I thought him arrogant and a bully and not prepared to listen to anybody else, that maybe Jesus sees him as someone who's desperately insecure and is scared of people finding out that he doesn't know where he's going and things that have happened in the past have led him to behave in that way. And maybe he needed me to get alongside him and support him rather than just butt heads with him every day. Maybe I'd see that Jean was someone that, not someone that I should be avoiding and trying not to have a conversation with, but someone who was living in utter hopelessness and despair and needed someone to go alongside her and offer hope and peace. And that silly boy in the warehouse downstairs, maybe he was looking for acceptance. Maybe he was looking for someone to tell him that he was good enough and someone cared. Maybe if I was allowed to let Jesus influence the way I saw the world around him, I see that the role that he calls me to play is just like he said to his disciples, was one of service and sacrifice that could bring hope and salvation into that place. But to serve those people, there is a sacrifice in my time, in my reputation, maybe in finance. Maybe it's a sacrifice of being prepared to let go of that seeking that profit and position and power and the sacrifice to be able to serve in order to bring around hope and salvation to those around us. Jesus was called the shepherd king. The name king let people to make different assumptions of what he was, was about, but actually what he really was about was about sacrifice and service, not the world's view of what a king should be. In church here, we often remind ourselves that at Salford Ealing, we want to be a growing community of whole life disciples alert, who are alert to God's leading, paying careful attention to one another 
and the moment that we're in so that we can be good news to those around us. Alert to God's leading. It means being prepared to see the situations and the world around us as Jesus sees it. It means looking for the, to follow the actions of Jesus of service and sacrifice and paying careful to one another in the moment we're in, looking at those around us. You know, I love the fact that in church we do sit in rows. I mean, we really sit in rows now. We're in pews, don't we? But I think it's a brilliant example that we are placed alongside each other, that we're placed shoulder to shoulder together. And whenever we have a day like I might have had in that office where things just seem to be getting on top of us and things seem so difficult and we wonder why God has brought us there, before we throw in the towel and decide it's all too much, maybe we should have a look to our left and our right and see how the people either side of us are doing to really see them as Jesus sees them. That we take the opportunity not just to think about our situation and where we are and what we've got to deal with, but we look and ask, is there anything I can do to serve you? Is there anything I can sacrifice, anything I can do to help you, to lead you into salvation, lead you to a better place? And that's what we've been called to do to one another. But we do it here so that when we go out there and we deal with those difficult folk, we've practiced and we understand that our role is one of service and sacrifice. Jesus had many titles. One was the shepherd king, one of service and one of sacrifice. And he calls us to do exactly the same. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Steve. That was, that was great and clear. And uh, what I'm going to invite you to do is uh, to stand up, find someone else or a couple of you, and uh, just ask one another, this week, knowing what's going to happen for you this week, now there's stuff that will happen this week that you can't predict, but there's stuff that you know is going to happen this week. In the light of what you know is going to happen this week, where can this be played out in your life? Where does sacrifice work? Where does service work? Who are you praying for salvation for? It's kind of like, where is it in your life this week, as you look ahead, where this will be played out? Does that make sense? If it doesn't make sense, stand up and find someone for whom it does make sense. And then listen really well. So stand to your feet. Get somewhere where you're with people. Um, it might be people that you've come with. It might be people that you don't know. Introduce yourself. Just where will you be this week where you're going to be playing that out? Where is it? What's the challenge? What's the opportunity? What's the challenge? How will it work out for you? All right. So find someone that's around you. Just have a conversation with them for a few minutes. Not going to take ages about this. So just where you are, just introduce yourself if you need to, and uh, then have that conversation. Where will it work out for you this week? Okay, if you can bring your time. This is what I want you to do finally. I want you to say to the people who are speaking to you, I will pray for you. <laughs> Make a promise. Make a promise. You will pray for one another during the week.
And that's a solemn promise. It's a solemn promise that Steve was talking about, that we stand, we sit beside each other, we are supported by one another, that if we follow this shepherd king, we follow him into situations that are not always easy, but we follow him knowing that we're supported by one another, prayed and spurred on. I'm going to ask musicians to come back if you can. If, if you can, like... Something's happened to you in the last 20 minutes and unfortunately you just can't make it back again. I'll ask you to come. And I know that they're going to sing a song, uh, lead us in a song that reflects this exactly. Let's pray together as they prepare to lead us in last couple of songs this morning. Father God, we recognize you as our shepherd king. We recognize all that that meant. That you didn't think equality with God was something to be grasped at, but you made yourself nothing, took on the form of a servant. Lord, we pray for our week ahead that, Lord, you'll help us to act in the same spirit. With the people that are difficult, with the people we love, Lord, may we be people who are willing to sacrifice, willing to serve, willing to be agents of salvation. Lord, take our lives and use them for your glory, we pray, in the name of Jesus.